Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of the Next Steps podcast. You're listening to the After Message Edition. You know, we've learned our whole lives that God is loving, that He's forgiving, that if we're good about asking Him for forgiveness, then He is good about granting it. But realistically, now, isn't there a limit? At some point, doesn't our continued failure to to live obediently dictate or maybe even necessitate God saying enough is just enough? There certainly would be in our relationships with each other. Is God's relationship to us just that different than what we have with one another? Well, I think that that's a fair question, and we're going to talk about it on this week's episode of the After Message edition of our podcast. I'm Steve Veal. I'm going to be your host today. And before I introduce our guests, if you enjoy these conversations that we have uh, every week, then I want to encourage you to download and subscribe to this podcast, hit that notification button, so you'll know when the next episode is available for you to listen to. And if you know somebody that would enjoy these conversations that we have with each other, man, let them know, because we would love to get the word out about uh, our podcast and just grow our listening group or listening crowd. So they can find us at westridge.com backslash podcast or on any of their streaming platforms, and they can join with us as we uh, as we have these discussions each week. So our guests today, which I'm always excited about our guests, and certainly that would be true today. First, we have Ruth Wittenbrook. She is the director of global missions here at Westridge. She is the mom to three young adults. Um, she is the wife to her awesome husband, Bill, and she's soon to be the grandmother to twins. Ruth, welcome to our podcast. Thank you, Steve. It's great to be here. And yes, I am soon to be the grandmother of twins. I'm so jealous. Which is just the most exciting period in my life so far. I just cannot wait. They're due to be born probably sometime in May. That's a huge life adjustment, isn't it? Because I, in talking to you, you're already beginning to kind of rethink your whole world. Bill's thinking, rethinking his whole world, trying to just reorient things around the fact that, hey, we got twin grandbabies coming. <laughs> That's right. There's a lot of reorienting to be done. Yeah, we are already it. starting to think about, well, we need to buy pack and plays to That's keep at right. our house, and where are we going to put them? Yeah. And Baby gates are the whole bit. Sure thing. It's That's so right. fun. And your puppies are like, what the heck? You know? <laughs> what about <laughs> like, us? Yeah, what, oh, our kids are like that. Our kids are like, wait, are you forgetting about us? (laughs) I love it. I love it. And so, well, it's great to have you. And uh, we also have Jenny Farnell here. I'm excited about having her on our podcast again. She's the executive assistant to our uh, senior pastor here at Westridge. She also uh, assists the executive pastor of ministry, and that has got to be just awful. That's yeah. got to be tough. He's a tough cookie. Yeah, yes. he's, he's just, what a tough. For anybody who's not sure, that's Steve, the that's host right. of this podcast. That's right. <laughs> well, Jenny is the mom to three sweet little ladies and the wife of her husband, Justin. So, Jenny, it's great to have you as well. Thank you. Glad to be here. So, gals, I was just, uh, we were talking about this before we started recording, that these 21 days of prayer that we're in right now. So, we're at the very tail end of January. We've been uh, doing... For the last 15 days, uh, we have been uh, praying together over um, the the things of our church, where we believe God is leading us, and and just really praying over the ministries and the direction of our church. And I've just sensed that there's been a real power in that, and it's, re- it's really been uh, community building for us. Don't you think? Absolutely, it's been it's been amazing um, to see our staff really get involved with it mm-hmm. to see I've encouraged my family to do it. My husband and older daughter, yeah. um, it's neat to walk through this with them. So yeah. can't yeah. wait to see what God does. Yeah. So I was thinking I need to send a text out to um, our, so today we are praying for, um, 
for Julie Rape and for Tyler Newsom and our men's and women's groups ministry. And I want to send them a text just to say, do you realize that 1,500 to maybe as, as much as 2,000 people are praying over you by name today? And, and not just you, but the people who serve under you, the, the group's leaders and the coaches and, and all of that. We're, we're praying for you today. And that's a powerful thought. It sure is. It just it feels so good to know that many people are praying for mm-hmm. one specific thing each day. And just at the end of these 21 days of prayer, I just can't wait to hear some of the stories that are just going to come out of this, just of, you know, just moments that mm-hmm. God did because mm-hmm. of the our corporate prayer in yeah. this. It just really feels as, you know, uh, it really feels as though God has us moving in a very specific direction. Mm-hmm. You know, God's always moving. God loves His church. He's always at work. Just, you know, I, I assimilate it to, um, you know, that we always have goals for our kids, right? So I think God always has goals for, for His His kids and, and His church. And um, I think that, you know, it just feels as though God has put something on Brian's heart that He wants for us to do, and, and He's calling us to draw near to Him. You're going to say something? Yeah, I think what's really cool is just by having conversations with people that have joined in with this 21 Mm -hmm. Days of Prayer, in that they're saying, wait, we have a a pastor of care, or we have a specific, you know, group's team. Like, Mm -hmm. what is this? I think it's also very informative to, you know, our people, Mm -hmm. you know, just to know what's going on here. To know that we have a local... um, Outreach team and a global outreach team, right? And that they're they work together, but they also have different responsibilities to some degree. Yeah, yeah, that's really valuable. So I started to say that you know that I think Brian just really felt um, that God was calling us to draw near to Him, so that we could then turn and be um, ready of heart to do what He wants us to do in this next year because this year's huge. I, I just we just are all sensing that, and so we're in the. This series, we're in the final week of it um, yesterday, and we've been looking at Hebrews 4.16, where the writer of Hebrews is encouraging his readers, which is all of us, to draw near to the actual throne, the actual throne of grace and receive mercy and love. And I love that, you know, because in those days where we're feeling overwhelming or confused or broken, the message just seems to be in those days and in every day, draw near. And so Brian entitled uh, his message this week, In His Presence, and he was uh, helping us to take a look at uh, what we can expect as we draw near, literally as we enter the throne room of God. I thought it was really an interesting thing. It made me think a lot, you know, just about the fact you're not just praying, you are entering in to the throne room of God. And so here's kind of where I wanted to start our conversation today, ladies. So, you know, he was talking about uh, his own childhood and how some of the things that he experienced really influenced his thinking as a child about about spiritual things and about God. And so, what about you guys is what I wanted to ask you. Uh, can you identify uh, things that you learned early on or that really affected uh, the way that you viewed God that maybe was not quite <laughs> biblical or not quite right? Yeah. Well, for me personally, I was raised in church. Um, my family was there pretty much every time the doors mm-hmm. were open. I didn't um, know that. Yeah, I and, didn't know that. Well, you would think that because of that, I had mm-hmm. developed this deep relationship with the Lord. Then mm-hmm. you know, I wanted to know Him. Yeah. But actually, the opposite was true. I was a churchgoer, and that was pretty much the extent of that. Mm-hmm. I felt like God was this, you know, far away, you know, person that you know, honestly, 
I just never really developed a daily relationship with him. Mm. Although I was taught from a very young age, I should read the Bible. I should pray every day. And some days I did that. But if I did that, it was usually just because I'm a rule follower and I wanted to, you know, check my little box, my task for the day and be done. Can I just ask you a quick question? Yeah. What do you think the disconnect was there? Like if you were taught it. And you sounds like you kind of understood it intellectually, but yeah. but there was there was a what? Do you have any thoughts on on what? Yeah, what was a disconnect. I do actually. I think that I I think that I was at a very legalistic church, and mm. it was all about the rules, and mm. almost like the you know God's going to be mad at you if mm-hmm. you um, don't do this or you don't do that, or if you do this or you do that, mm. and so it was more to me just about following the rules, and I. I, I I don't know if I wasn't taught or if I just didn't grasp mm-hmm. that Jesus wanted to be personal mm-hmm. with me, he, mm-hmm. how much He loved me. I don't feel like I heard about how much He loved me. Hmm. I felt like I heard more about just do this and do that, yeah. a, kind of a right living. Yeah, that makes sense. Kind of what Brian talked about mm-hmm. um, with the babysitter that said, you know, God's going to get you. <laughs> yeah, it's funny you. because I could relate to that because yeah. I'm pretty sure I've said that to people before, <laughs> like legit said that That's to so people funny. before. And I'm like, oh, yeah. shoot, I think I'm that person <laughs> or used to be that person. Let's yeah. clarify that. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's interesting. Jenny, what about you? Mine was I didn't feel the closeness, like Ruth said, um, but mine's a little different. I was raised, I I always call it as a cultural Christian. Um, My dad had Catholic roots, so my parents, when they got married, um, my mom joined the Catholic Church with my dad, but it was definitely kind of Christmas and Easter situation, and there was a, that God was this far off being, and there was no, I didn't understand a relationship. I didn't understand the closeness that life with walking with yeah. Jesus yeah, offers. Yeah. Um, so I always kind of pictured it how Pastor Brian illustrated the kind of God on a throne in Buckingham Palace kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That's what it was, just the long flowing white hair really far off with the shining light, not mm-hmm. welcoming me into his presence and and wanting the best for yeah. me. Just kind of this this high creator power that was really yeah. inaccessible. Yeah. But if we're being if we're being fair to our early educators and the things of spirituality or God and all of that, is that is that a like an overall relational developmental thing? Meaning, I mean, I'm I'm trying to process it through like how I feel about my mom and dad now versus how I felt about them when I was in high school or even middle school. Like I loved them, I appreciated them. You know, um, I didn't comprehend, I didn't begin to comprehend all the sacrifice they were making for me because I just didn't have enough life under my belt to to grab that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought my parents were this and I thought they were that. And and I'm not saying that they weren't those things, but my love for them and my understanding and my mm-hmm. grace toward them is so much greater, you know, once you start having your own kids and, and whatnot. Like we're beginning to see, and, and you're, well, you for sure, um, Ruth, would probably begin to see this, that our kids are like wanting to come back, you know, all the time and wanting to hang out and wanting to spend time with us and, and be around us now that, you know, they're through college and, and all that. So my question yeah. is, is some of this just about our own, um, just the fact of how we develop as human beings? I think some of that, yes, could be that, and you grow to love God the more you know mm-hmm. Him. But I do think that 
for me, what was missing is just that intentional teaching that God loves me and he adores me mm-hmm. no and matter what, no matter yeah, what I do. Like, it. Jenny, do you feel kind of like me in that? I feel like I missed something growing up. Like, I feel sad that I didn't have that starting out from a young age. Yes. And and on that, when Steve talked about, you know, what our kind of what we know of our parents now, I don't think that the misinformation came from them because I have watched them in life grow into this relationship with the Lord the same way that I'm, you know, have grown into the relationship. But yes, just knowing that love and that nothing that I can do can remove myself from that love is something that I'm trying to teach my girls, especially with what society tells kids now. But yes, I I feel like it's definitely something that I really would have loved, especially during those middle school years, Um, just to know that, that I was loved by by my heavenly father yeah. that much. I used to tell when I was a middle school pastor years and years ago, <laughs> I used to tell parents that, you know what, the number one kid, the number one thing that your kid is asking himself or herself right now is, do you like me? Mm-hmm. Do you like me? Do you love me? Mm-hmm. They're asking all of their peers that they're pushing back against you because they want to see how much you do because they don't like themselves. Mm-hmm. They're going through all of these changes emotionally and, and physically and all those things, and they feel awkward and they feel uncomfortable. And so they are struggling to like themselves. They hate what they see in the mirror. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter how pretty or handsome or what, it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter. They all, all they can see is are their flaws. You know, um, when I was thinking about my own question here, and, and I was thinking, I'm, I'm wondering if you guys identify this, that I remember growing up. So my dad and mom were just, I can't, and I've always said this, that I can't think of two parents who would have been better than what my parents were. I just have a tremendous amount of respect for them. Um, but my dad was a pastor, and I can remember him raising his voice a lot, you know, on Sunday mornings, not not at home yelling at us, but I'm talking about preaching. Like, I mean, he... He preached, <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I just remember this fear of mine that I was going to stand before God one day and there was going to be this cosmic movie screen and everything that I, every mistake I'd ever made and every thought, bad thought I had or certainly the things that I'd done is going to be just played in front of him and me and everybody else. And I was just going to be mortified uh, when I got to heaven. And uh, this was, you know, it's just, so it wasn't about him just, it was hard for me to think about the, the the exciting that I have an exciting future in heaven awaiting me. It was this dread, this tremendous dread. You guys ex- know what I'm talking about? Oh, for sure. I, I just, felt that's the exact yeah, same. I don't want to go there. Right? Why do Why do we want to rehash all of that? <laughs> that's right. That's so good. Well, Brian took us. Um, and I want to jump into this. He took us into a bit of a tour of the throne room. Like I said earlier, that we enter when we're drawing near to God, and and uh, he brought out a particular verse. And we've looked at it a couple of times in the series, but it's um, Hebrews 4.16, kind of the theme of our, of our series. And here's what the verse, or here's how it reads. It says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And, um, but, you know, as we read that, I was thinking about this, that so many of us feel, and I think maybe in our immaturity, we feel this way, that the closer that we get to God, the more condemnation that we're going to experience, kind of 
even what we like to just talked about. And what I mean by that is the more we open up ourselves to God, the more he's going to show us how unga- how ungodly or or how bad that our lives truly are in comparison to to what they should be. And so I want to ask you guys either for yourselves, maybe your kids, is that a a fear or a mindset that you've ever experienced? And and if so, why do you think that so often our default assumption that that God is just always displeased with us? I think because we live in the world and mm. because we deal with people who are broken, mm. God's kingdom is an upside-down kingdom that mm. humility is valued over pride and you know mm. the meek are yeah. valued over the wow, powerful. That's a great point. Um, and that, that's contrary to what the world teaches us, and that's yeah. contrary to what we live mm. day-to-day. And so it's natural for us to – when we continue to sin against people – whether minor, you know, just little white lie here and there, or major betrayals, it's natural for people to pull away from us and to condemn, to condemn us and mm. to isolate us and to cast us out mm. as a self-preservation method. Yeah. But God doesn't need to preserve himself. God can, t- can, you know, reach down and continue to love us despite just the mess we're in. So I, that's what, in thinking through that question, that's, you know, that's why we feel continued mm-hmm. condemnation yeah. Yeah. if we're not in God's word, if we're not learning yeah. what his character is yeah. and that his character is contrary yeah. to what people's character is for the most part. Because if I'm not careful, I mean, I'm a pastor, I'm 56 years old. I mean, I've been a pastor for over 30 years and that's my default. That That's what I go to if I am not in the word, if I'm not spending time in prayer, if I'm, you know, I feel accused, of course, we know why, you know, because not only is there an enemy mm-hmm. that is constantly accusing us, but but our enemy is in is really in line. I'm sorry, our heart, our own heart, is in line, or our flesh is in line with with that, with the enemy's you know mindset on that. And so, unless I really am constantly reminded of who God is, mm-hmm. and and that's why I think sometimes we need each other. We need other people. To remind us, not just our own, our own mind, or or even just the Word of God. I mean, we're the Word of God is is super super valuable, and it's I would say it's more than valuable. It's critical. That's um, why we have it. But so is the one and others. You know, to just to say, listen. You know what? I, I keep hearing you say this <laughs> over and over, and it's 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 not right. And and to lovingly kind of bring a little correction. Steve, I think that's so powerful how you said that if you're not spending enough time with the Lord, that that's your kind of go to your the accuser is coming after you. And I think for you to say things like that, it's so powerful for you, for us to know that you, a pastor for more than 20, 30 years, Mm -hmm. is being vulnerable and is being accused like that because it makes me feel better when that happens to me. Like, Mm -hmm. well, if this can happen to Steve, someone who's been in ministry for 30 Mm -hmm. years, Mm -hmm. like it's it's normal for this to happen to me too. And like if, you know, I need to get back on track the same way that you get back on track. Sure. And it makes me, it makes it feel more relatable. Yeah. Like, if this can happen to him, yeah. you know. Well, you can, because listen, if I, I heard somebody say this one time, and, I, and I, it's, it's something that has always stuck with me, that if we've been doing something long enough to be really good at it, that we've also been doing it long enough to become very callous to it. Mm. And I think sometimes, even if you're 
faithful in your daily time with God, it mm-hmm. be- can become such a routine that it 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 begins to feel less powerful. And so there may be weeks or even you know a week or, or weeks that you're just feeling a little bit numb. Like you're going through the mm-hmm. you're going through the the process. You're doing the right things. You're in community. You're but there's a certain numbness. But but the beauty of it is if you are doing those habits and disciplines, that has a shelf life. And God in his faithfulness, and I think your friends who love you and their faithfulness at some point is going to help pull you out of that that little rut, you know, that you're in. Now, if you're not doing any of the spiritual disciplines, I think that rut can last a long time and it can be really destructive. Can you go to a very dark place because you start feeling like, is there really a God? Does the church really care? Uh, all the Christians are hypocrites. You start really going into this place where you become so self-absorbed that you lose, you completely lose perspective, and that that's a dangerous place, and it's an ungodly place, and it's why I think that that we, as you read in the scriptures, says draw near, so that He can draw near to you. Yeah, I've, for me, as soon as I started getting closer to God and learned how much He loved me. It made me want to start pleasing him. Like it mm-hmm. made me have a desire to do his will because I I loved him and I knew that he loved me. Kind of similar to how I want to please my husband or my kids. Mm-hmm. Like because mm-hmm. I love them so much, I want to please them. Yeah, that's good. And it became more about wanting to do that and mm-hmm. instead of feeling like I needed to do yeah, that. Yeah. I when I was thinking about this yesterday as Brian was teaching, this thought came to my mind. Like, why do we have a tendency to default there? And um, I was thinking about, I was, I don't know, it was probably four or five years ago or so that my wife came to me and she said that our kids, particularly our daughter, Sydney, um, if there was, if there was one thing that she probably felt more from me as a dad that than she felt of anything else, a lot of it had to do with the current life choices she was making and stuff like that, was that she felt disappointment mm-hmm. more than she felt anything else. Like mm-hmm. I had, like like she was overwhelmed with the fact that because of some of the choices she was making and, and all of that in that stage of her life, that that she, the overwhelming feeling was just disappointment. And I had to really work on that. Mm-hmm. I had to work hard at at showing her that, my love is unconditional, mm. you know, and she might be making some choices that that I wouldn't want her to make or doing some things that, that I would be concerned about and worried about. But at the end of the day, my love that I love her and it doesn't matter what she does, um, I'm going to love her. And, and I want her to hear that message first. I want her to feel that message first. So it took a, it took a lot of course correction for me. And that was a picture I was thinking of when when Brian was talking about that yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let let me um, let me kind of take us in another place if I if I can because okay. I, because I, I thought there were so many great things that Brian talked about yesterday that I'd love to share with you guys. So so the reason I I was thinking about that opening question, you know, is there a limit to God's love and grace and forgiveness? Um was because I think that's a challenging I mean if you really wrestle with that 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 that's actually pretty challenging and and so 
Brian was kind of teaching about intercession. Remember how he was kind of talking about the Jesus as our intercessor? And he was looking at Hebrews 7.25, and that um, uh, that verse reads, it, it reads, consequently, and he's referring back to the fact that Jesus is our great high priest. So, in, so consequently, as you know, since he's our high priest, he is able to save to the uttermost. And that's, that's the key word. Those who draw near to God through him. So let me read that again. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Since he always lives to make intercession for them. And um, so we're reading a, a book as an elder team, as, as uh, a lot of our staff, called Gentle and Lowly by Dan Ortland. And here's what he said. I want to quote it. And Brian quoted it yesterday. I, man, this is just, this is one of those things that you've just got to stop and think about. Okay. So listeners, listen close. Okay. To the uttermost means that God's forgiving, redeeming, restoring touch reaches down into the darkest crevices of our souls, those places where we are most ashamed, most defeated. More than this, these crevices of sin are themselves the places where Christ loves us the most. Let me read that again. Those crevices of sin are sometimes themselves the places where Christ loves us the most. His heart willingly goes there. His heart is most strongly drawn there. He knows us to the uttermost, and he saves us to the uttermost because his heart is drawn out to us to the uttermost. We cannot sin our way out of his tender care. Now, I think, I'm just, I'm just having a minute here. I think that that can be tough to fully comprehend. It's hard for me in the limited amount of my understanding. It's hard for me to imagine that there's not some kind of limit at some place to God's mercy and grace for us as we draw near to him. Because again, like I said in the beginning or in our intro, because there certainly is in our relationships. So I just, I've laid it all out. I want to just ask yeah. you guys, how, how do you process through that? Yeah, that is incredibly hard to comprehend. Um, and like Brian was saying yesterday, how when when God looks at you, He doesn't see your sinful self. He sees Jesus. Mm. And for people like me, that's so comforting to know. And it's so powerful, but also incredibly hard to comprehend. Um, we We know that all of us sin, every single one of us. But some of us, like me, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. feel like, We've sinned more than others, or mm-hmm. we have more that need to be forgiven. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in my 20s, my early 20s, I went through a really dark, sinful time mm-hmm. um, where I was sinning against God. Mm-hmm. I was sinning against my husband. And then God got a hold of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and how he did that was mm-hmm. by 24 years ago, coming to this brand new church called Westridge. Yeah, I love I your started story. hearing the first time how Jesus wanted a personal relationship with us, more like a friendship. Mm-hmm. It caused me to confess mm-hmm. to to God, to my husband. It caused me to draw near to God, and it changed my life and the trajectory yeah, of my that. marriage. Yeah. So when I see those dark sins in my life, in my past, knowing that Jesus is my intercessor and he's covered that for me, mm-hmm. it, it takes me just to such an incredible place of, of joy and mm-hmm. of um, appreciation yeah. for what Jesus did to me. Knowing yeah. that he's forgiven me of so much. Yeah. Man, that, that's so good. 
And what a great testimony to help you kind of see that. I mean, like the experience yeah. that God has given to mm-hmm. you for you to be able to to understand that. Oh yeah. So it's good. Powerful. That is. So first I want to say that point I've had the privilege of hearing Pastor Brian speak for years, but that was one of the most beautifully illustrated mm-hmm. pictures in a message I've heard him do. It it brought me to tears and it I'm tearing up right now that you can't see on a podcast, but the people in the room can see these tears in my eyes a little bit. Um to think about the creator of the universe, the God who spoke stars into the sky and the oceans mm-hmm. onto the planet, mm-hmm. and then the savior of the world who, you know, wrapped himself in flesh, raised the dead, made the blind see, and then died a painful death and rose from that death, whispering to God on my behalf, whispering prayers to God on my behalf despite every mess I've made, every sin. It, it's so moving to me, and it's such a picture of love that it's just, this girl is not too far gone. Mm-hmm. She's, you know, nothing she's done will make me not reach out to you on her behalf. It's amazing. Um, part of my story I've shared before, but I was widowed at the age of 30, and it was a very lonely time. Mm-hmm. And right now I'm, you know, 15 years out from that. And now I lead a group of widows here at the church. Mm-hmm. And the common theme that you hear is just the loneliness. It's yeah. so lonely. Yeah, I can get and it. And it's, you know, whether whether mm-hmm. the ladies are empty nesters now and have lost their husbands of 30 years or were just married a few years and have young kids at home, mm-hmm. the loneliness is the thing that's the toughest. And thinking of this picture of this intimacy with our creator and it just gets me it's it's mm-hmm. so amazing to me that that despite the loneliness that we feel you know here on earth that we have a god who loves us so very much and you know the lord is just i just can't even i can't yeah. even articulate it just battling on our behalf, yeah. whispering prayers on our behalf, yeah. and saving us from this loneliness. Mm-hmm. It it um, it just gets me, and it makes me yeah. tear up. Mm-hmm. So where do you think community, for those ladies, what does having that community, um, how does it address some of those feelings? It, it definitely, and one lady even said, I'll be honest, it, you know that the Lord is with you, but that doesn't replace the right. person sitting next to you. It still sure. doesn't change the fact that these sweet ladies are driving home from work to an empty house. It doesn't change that. Right. So my prayer just even with this group is that they will find community in yeah. each other, in you know, friendships and volunteering together, sitting in church together, going to dinner together, things like yeah. that. But um would you would you say an, an intimate walk with God um and having people that you can talk to about it and process through it, it doesn't mean that you're going to ever get completely over it, but what it does guarantee is that you can get through it. Absolutely. Is that the way to say that? Yes, for sure. Yeah, I love that. So I'm I'm, I'm wrestling. I was listening to that quote yesterday, and I went back and looked at it that from Dan Ortland, and I've, I've read the book, and it's, just, it's incredible. I want to just mention it again. It's the title of it's Gentle and Lowly, and again, the, the, the writer is Dan Ortland. And he's talking about those crevices of sin is the place 
places that Christ loves us the most, um, where his heart is most strongly drawn. And the only way that I could think through that where and really comprehend it, I think, is that you have to think of him about the fact that he is Savior. I mean, because if he's not Savior of all, then he's not Savior at all. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. So the worst, darkest, most most habitual sin that we struggle with, um, and, and, and listen, there is a, the truth that as we draw near to God, things that we are... That, that we have in our lives as habits begin to loosen their grip on us. They, mm-hmm. they do, mm-hmm. but they can come back. <laughs> mm-hmm. They can begin to haunt again. The enemy hasn't forgotten that these are weaknesses. That's how they became bad habits in the first place. And he's going to constantly bring them back, you know, and you may even be drawn and we may, I off sometimes are drawn back into them, you know, and sometimes they're, Thing, you know, it might be drinking, it might be drugs, maybe those bad things, or it might just be the fact that I just keep wrestling with the fear of man. Mm-hmm. Like I cannot stop measuring myself about what somebody else thinks about me. And whether they esteem me or not makes me feel whether I have any esteem or not. You know what I you know what I'm, yeah. I'm kind of saying? Right. And so it can be some it can be those kind of of um strongholds that the enemy wants to kind of come back. But but <laughs> I think the beautiful thing that just draws you, I think that's what you guys were both saying so well, is that it's it's knowing that he loves us and that his love is energized most in those worst moments, because at the end of the day, that just proves himself as Savior more than anything else. It doesn't the opposite. He doesn't get tired of being Savior. It gives him an opportunity to be Savior. Listen, and we're not saying that, hey, sin so that grace can abound, Romans 6, right? We're not saying that, we, you know, because we're, 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 we've been saved to be free from the, from the bondage of sin. But, but when we're struggling through it, we have a Savior, I think, is the point. So here's the question I want to ask you. Do you want to say, did you want to make a well, point? Well, I first? was just going to yeah. say that that quote, the crevices of sin that you just read, those crevices of sin are themselves the places where Christ loves us the most, mm. is so powerful because mm-hmm. it's the place that sometimes we hate the most about right, ourselves. Right. So oh, just to be point. so con- contradictory of how we feel about ourselves. Mm. It's it's freeing, and yeah. you know Satan's going to continue yeah. to come after you for those same sins, and he wants to hit you with that guilt over yeah. and over again. But when you stay connected to the Lord, and when you're drawing near to Him, then He just covers that sin for you, and yeah. and lets you know, like, girl, you can let that go That's because right. I've got this. That's like, it. I've covered that. Okay. For you. Okay. So here's what I want to ask you. We're going to wrestle for a minute. You guys ready? Okay. Ready. So how do we take this truth that means so much to us? I, you know, obviously we're on the same page here, you know, yeah. that, that we're, we're overwhelmed by it because we can't completely f- comprehend it. How do we help our kids, our young adult kids mm-hmm. or our little ones? Like you have, you know, your, how young are your younger ones? Eight and nine. And, and Emma's how old? 16. Okay. God bless you. So, <laughs> so how do we do differently than kind of, how do we help them catch and see what we failed to see when we were when we were at that age like what can we do for them and end them and i i think for you and me ruth it's influence 
You know, we, we, we're not in a season of authority right. at all. And, and I would say with Emma, you're, you're transitioning very much into influence and away from authority. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But so, so in as much, wherever that state is, like how, like what do we, what do we do? How can we as parents be better mm-hmm. at that, do you think? I think continually reminding them that, that God loves them and that their worth is found in, in, in him. For me, for raising girls, well, you know, I have a son and two daughters. The girls more than probably my son are constantly looking for their worth. Like, do you mm, love yeah, me? Of course they do. Uh, who, the, the social media, you know, presence and mm-hmm. who likes me, who likes me today. And it's 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 got such a grip on their heart, and just reminding them that that doesn't determine their worth. Yeah. They could have two followers, yeah. but it doesn't mean that they're less worthy than their friend who may have two thousand followers. So, how important do you think, Ruth, is it for them to see that you know what we're in our fifties? At least I am. Yeah, and I'm still struggling with it. Oh, for sure. Like Constant how, reminder. Yeah how, yeah. how how essential is that transparency? For us to be transparent, so that our, our kids yeah, see to that. Our kids. Yeah. yeah, I think I think that they have to know that we struggle with the same things, and we mm-hmm. have to be real enough to show them. But I think in that we have to offer them the solution. Yeah, like, and I'll give you a personal example. Okay. I was wrestling with something last week that mm-hmm. I was sharing with my daughter, and I was I knew that it was a sinful thought, and and God got a hold of me and was like. You need to go back and tell her what I have spoken into your heart That's right great. now. Yeah. And and let her know that sometimes still you mess up. Sometimes still you place too much emphasis on what people think about you. Mm-hmm. And that's okay if we can autocorrect and yeah. listen to God and let him, you know, guide us in that and yeah. let her let her see that vulnerability and yeah. that correction in my own self. So Lillian Harper, yes. your two youngers. What do you do? We, it's the same, and I, I touch on this at the beginning of the podcast. It's raising girls, so it's it's a constant um, path of, of finding worth. And we we pray over them every morning as we wait for the bus. Our routine with the girls is to literally stand and hold hands, and we pray every morning right before the bus arrives. And it is to know where their worth comes from, to know mm-hmm. that they are loved mm-hmm. by not only my husband and I, but by the Lord, deeply loved. And it is to constantly remind them. They're they're little people pleasers. and They, they come mm-hmm. by that naturally. Mm-hmm. So uh, I've seen in all three of my girls that they will, even my oldest is like the you know 4.0 GPA and will text us and go, I made a 98. I'm sorry, I'll do better or something. And we're wow. just going like, where do you even get that? Because we're, we're thrilled for you. Um, yeah. And we keep saying, I'll keep going. That's not eternal. Like, she'll text us about a test she took. By the way, that's something I never said to my parents. (laughs) (laughs) I got a 98. I'm so disappointed. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And and so I'll just write back, like, doesn't matter in light of eternity. And and it, it sounds kind of me being funny with it yeah. but i'm tr- i'm trying to teach her that none of this matters yeah. do you do you know should we strive for excellence absolutely should my yeah. girls you know try to do well in school and you know do well in whatever activity they're doing absolutely but is it eternal no and mm-hmm. and knowing that you are loved by the god of the universe mm-hmm. is all you need to know yeah. and it's it's funny ruth that you said that you had a, a tough week of wrestling with something i 
was just had it the same week last week, completely overtaken by where do I fit? I mean, here I'm, I'll be 46 in April. Mm-hmm. Where do I fit? Is there value here? What am I doing? Just looking for my value. And my husband is definitely, um, he's, I'm more of the firecracker in our relationship. <laughs> for those that know us well, this is no, no big revelation. Um, <laughs> I'm the firecracker, but he is, he's a man of God who saves his words for when they really need to be yeah. said. And he, he, he literally pointed me right back to Jesus and said, that is 100%. None of that is true. What yeah. you believe is not true. And wow. he encouraged me to have a conversation with our older daughter to explain to her. He said, this, was a te- this is a teachable moment mm-hmm. for what you just went through and why you completely let mm-hmm. the enemy accuse you of something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think we're so afraid that our kids are going to turn, turn, turn what we give them on us. Mm-hmm. Like if we admit... Like, man, I'm just, this is a huge weakness right now in me or just a a mistake that I'm just dealing. I think we're scared to death that our kids are going to either just be like, well, because you did it, it's okay for me. And I just don't think that's true. Yeah. I I don't think that that's true. I think that vulnerability with them is is so critical. But I have to move on to this last point because we're running out of time, you guys. We're having such great conversation. And man, I feel like we could just camp on this for another 20 minutes. But uh, I want to get to this thing before we're done and out of time. And and it's one of the, I think, one of the most significant points that Pastor Brian made yesterday. And it had to do with how the Spirit of God prays on our behalf when we're undone. And so we're thinking again about the throne room of of God and, and grace, and and there is this, and the Spirit of God is with us as we're praying, and so keep that in your mind, and uh, and so he was talking about that, and uh, and that the Spirit of God prays for us when we just don't know how to pray or what to say, and so I I know you guys have found yourself in that place, um, and I want to ask, what does that look like for you, those moments? That a lot happened last week. I'm realizing that the same thing happened last week. Justin and I. We're in a conversation. We're praying through some pretty big decisions we're making, and we're um, we're both doers and want to do things just exactly. We always who doesn't right? We want to know the outcome before we we step into it because then that's easy for us, right? And then we we're forgetting that we could leave God out of it if we did that. So, which is why yeah. God has us right. where we are. But we were we were talking through this decision that we're making. And I said, do you just not even know how to pray for what we want? And he said, I'm so confused. Like, yeah. you know, are we battling hard for this or where we, should we go in that direction? What is it? And and this was, it's funny. This is the times we're in. This is a text conversation Friday. He was at work. I hope his boss isn't listening, but um, we were, we were texting and I, I said, do you feel like our prayer should just be, we don't know, but we trust you. Mm-hmm. And, and hopefully, you know, with that, the the Holy Spirit will, you know, speak on our behalf because we don't know what to pray for. We don't even yeah. know where this should go. And he yeah. said, absolutely. So yeah. we we both agreed. Like this is this is will be our prayer about this topic for now. Mm. Oh, that's so good. I know this isn't biblical, so I'm going <laughs> to say that right up front. But I was having a conversation with a friend yesterday about a decision, and I told her I was like, "Remember those little magic eight balls that we had when we were a kid? Like, I wish I had one of those, and I could just shake it up and see the yeah. answer right now." Right, right. If only God worked that way, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. True. So for me, it was the uh, a time when I just had to rely on the Holy Spirit to intercede for me was 
in a time of a place of hurt. Mm -hmm. My sister passed away in 2009 from lung cancer, and we were really close. And it was an incredibly hard time, a a hard thing that I went through. Mm -hmm. Um, She was a non-smoker, so it felt very unfair. Uh, She was a pastor's wife and a very godly woman. And I I could not see the good in that. Mm -hmm. And I just would say to God, like, what good could possibly come from her death? Like, I do not understand. Mm. And, you know, he reminded me in, you know, in Isaiah that it says that his ways are not our ways and his ways are higher than ours. Mm-hmm. And he has a plan and a purpose for everything. And he uses that for our good and his glory, even when it doesn't feel like it. Yeah. And it certainly didn't feel like it then. And so uh, my sister lived in Chattanooga when um, during the last um, of her days, and I would drive up there to visit her and drive home just bawling and, you know, trying to pray, trying to seek that comfort from the Lord. But, you know, to be honest, I was confused and I was a little bit angry, and I just, I knew that I needed to pray. And so I would just sit there just crying out like, God, like, why, why? And then Mm -hmm. I just had no words. And so I just had to rely on, you know, the Holy Spirit to intercede for me in that moment and just to bring that peace to me, even though I didn't know the words to say, you know, give Mm -hmm. me peace, help me understand this. I couldn't say those things because I was, I was too hurt and in grief, but um, we, I know that he was there and I, I still don't know the the plan or the purpose for that, but I have to trust that. He's God and he knows, and I don't. (laughs) So Christy and I, sometimes when we get into um, marital conversations, which is another nice way of saying an (laughs) argument, um, no, when we're we're having, you know, a a, a disagreement and, or or maybe just a time when she's really trying to share her heart with me and I'm extremely verbal, she's less verbal and she'll say sometimes to me, she'll just say, Veal, that's what she calls me when she's... (laughs) She says, Veal, you know what I mean, and you know what I'm talking about. And I do. <laughs> you know what I mean? I do. She hasn't said it. And she you can't use your words yeah. to... Uh... Right, right. And, and she, I, I know what she means. Yeah. And um, you know, I think that there have been so many times, and, and this probably is, is, most, uh, is most prevalent for me as far as in my, my recollection of it, would be in, those, in that decade while we were praying for the salvation of our, our son. Mm-hmm. And I think it was because, I was telling somebody this the other day, was because he was struggling not only with addiction, um, but he was struggling really badly with depression and, and anxiety. And, mm-hmm. and, and I won't go into a lot of detail, but it was, it was just rough. It was, mm-hmm. it was bad. And I would pray over him or we would pray for, over him um, every day and, and oftentimes together holding hands and, it would be just like everything that we see that he needs is you, Lord. Everything that we see that he needs is you. Yeah. And yet he is just cold and completely distant and will not look to you, won't even begin to give you won't even begin to give you any um, thought or place in his mind. And I don't get that. Because I believe that if you can move mountains, if you can part the sea, if you can raise Christ from the dead, 
then you can make yourself irresistible to him. You can reveal to at least you can I know you can at least show him who you are and then make him decide because right now he's not even seeing who you are. Mm-hmm. And there were many days as as we were praying this that I just got it was such frustration because I didn't understand why God was so silent. And I just and I and I don't think that's the only way that this sometimes you're not frustrated with God, you're just like you're frustrated with yourself or you're frustrated with a relationship and you're you have no frustration with God whatsoever but you just don't know what to ask for you're just and and I think for I think what this verse is speaking it was it really it was Romans 8:26 and 27 that he that the spirit of God helps us in our weakness and he prays on our behalf um and the father who knows all hearts hears him and 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 hears the spirit of God um pleading on, on on for us. And so I think what it just means is it comes from a place of faith. I know and I believe you can do it. Um but I don't even know what to even ask you for. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just mm-hmm. But what a relief. Yeah. As somebody is. who is constantly just juggling it all. Yeah. What a relief. Yeah. And at the end of the day I can lay my head down knowing this doesn't have to be mine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because there's nothing you can do to fix it. Right. Yes. And as right. a parent, that's a hard thing yeah. because you want to fix it for right. your kids. Yes. And there have been many times, I'm sure the same for you, where it's not a, you know, it wasn't, again, I said this before, but it's not a frustration mm-hmm. um, always. In that case, it was. But other where I just like, I, like, I just I don't even know what to ask for. Like, mm-hmm. here's a situation. This is how I feel. This is what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. This is what we, maybe Christian and I are experiencing. And we just... I don't, I don't, I don't. I can't even imagine what the solution is, and so thank God he did, right? Yeah, yeah, or, or does. Yeah, I mean, and just you know, I don't know. It's it, but I, but I don't know. But here's what I would tell you: I'm so thankful for it because <laughs> right, I yeah. I use that <laughs> a lot just to say, God, I don't. Spirit of God, I'm asking you to pray on my behalf because mm-hmm. I just don't know what to say right now. I don't know what to ask for. I don't know what the solution is. I don't know what to ask you for. Mm-hmm. So I'm just asking you to to. To pray on my behalf to, to bring the right resolution, and and in, and I know in my heart that sometimes the resolution is not to fix the other person or the other situation, but to change me, Amen. to give me eyes to see or or an open heart to to grow into or something yeah. like that. Well, what a great conversation that we have had, ladies. Thank you so much for uh, for having this uh, this good dialogue with me today. Yeah, it was great. Great to be here. I appreciate you guys uh, being here. And I want to thank you if you are listening. Thank you for listening. Um, If you haven't already, I want to just remind you to download, subscribe, and share our podcast um, because we'd love uh, just for, again, as many folks to to hear these things as possible. Um, And we hope that you've enjoyed listening in. I think it's been, this has been a heavy, but a great conversation. Just some good stuff to wrestle with. And so I'm excited that we've had a chance to to do this with you as you're listening. And so just remember this week uh, and every week, everybody, that you are loved.